0: Whether it's hiring me to speak at your next sales kickoff or delivering one of my high impact story selling workshops for your sales team virtually or in person, then don't worry, I've got your back. Okay, Head on down to www.theravirajani.com forward slash contact to book a complimentary discovery call to learn more about how I can help you and your sales team sell more with story. Hey, what's happening? Welcome to the Influential Communicator, the go-to podcast for your weekly dose of storytelling, speaking, and communication bullets to help you craft stories that sell and deliver presentations that win. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani. So without further wait, let's get into it. Hey, my friends, what's good? Welcome to another episode of the Influential Communicator podcast. Now, I was recently... Might have been been about two months ago now, but recently I was on the Challenger podcast, Winning the Challenger Sale podcast, more specifically with my friend, Jen Allen. And it was one of my favorite shows that I've been on. And I thought, you know what? Let's bring it to you today. So I want to bring you the full episode. I hope you learn something from it and I'll see you on the other side. All
1: right. Enjoy. Now, today... I am very excited to welcome our very special guest to kick off this month, Ravi Rajani. Ravi, welcome.
0: What's good, Jen? You know, with your voice, I feel like it belongs in the Calm app. It's (laughs) just so articulate, (laughs) so great. It's like, ah, just so soothing. I love it. Yeah, you belong in the Calm app, my friend. You belong in the Calm
1: app. Maybe that's why we get people listening. They're like, just soothe me out, soothe
0: (laughs) me out. It's good, I like it, I like it.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Now, for any of you who don't already know Ravi, Ravi is the founder of Ravi Rajani Consulting out of the UK, as well as host of the Influential Communicator podcast, which I just learned only started it in February, already has 18 episodes. I'm super, super excited to be a loyal follower. And as Ravi always says, whether you realize it or not, you're a speaker, a salesperson, and a storyteller. So ditch selling with features and start selling with story. Now, quick backstory, I was introduced to Ravi after like five different people came to me and said, you know what? I see you've got storytelling. You got to look at Ravi. And so I went to his LinkedIn page and I saw something that really stood out to me. Now in his recommendations, because I go deep when I dig, there was a seller, shout out to Jesse Corzin, who wrote the following statement. Ravi is one of those people who can come into your life, whether it's for a short time or a long time, and you'll never forget him. He doesn't simply motivate you, but he has this way of leaving you with this everlasting hunger to be great. Robbie, that is one hell of a recommendation. Before we start talking storytelling, tell our listeners who are newer to you a bit about your origin story. How'd you get to where you are today? We're super keen to learn about it.
0: Man, I've got to thank Jesse for that. It was such a kind testimony. He's one of those you read and you're like, damn, I didn't even pay him for that. <laughs> I don't pay for of people chill. But yeah, it was super, super kind. So where did it all begin? Well, let's take it back for a sec to when I was about eight years old and my mum literally shoved me into the same dance school as my little sister. And Jen, I remember on the face of it, I was so distraught. I was embarrassed. And it was like I had this... Dirty little secret that I didn't want any of the dudes to know at school. Eventually got out, but that's another story. But deep down, I remember I'd never felt more alive in my entire life. I mean, my eight years on earth. I'd <laughs> I'd never felt more alive. Eventually, my mum let me quit and I ended up stumbling into theater as a teen. I had no idea, but my best friend's dad was a playwright. So one play led to another, which led to another. And then growing up, people were always like, yo, Rav, are you gonna Take this whole speaking, presenting, or acting thing seriously, because we think you're pretty good at it. And in my head, Jenna, my ego was like, are you joking? (laughs) You need to go make some money. So I was like, no way, man. My brain was like, go get that money. So I ended up doing the business school thing, and I ended up starting out my sales career in corporate sales on the trading floor at Citibank. So that's where it all began. And then after some time, very gradually, I started to feel like, man... This is amazing, but I had worked towards this moment for so long, like the gold medal effect. I had what I wanted. I got into the role of my dreams, but for some reason, I had this itch that I was meant for more, but I didn't know what it was at the time. So in August 2016, I pressed eject. I was like, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> and that's when... I started dabbling into the world of coaching, consulting. I started doing TV appearances here in the UK, radio, and building sales teams in early stage startups. And Jen, over time, I realized these three things, right? Number one, the first thing I realized was why does every sales presentation lack personality? It was like it was illegal to showcase who you really are. I was like, this needs to be changed. The second thing was, was that they all lacked storytelling. It was like people were reeling off features and they were just reading through presentations like it was a grocery list. And the final thing I realized was, why do demos and presentations just feel unmemorable and exactly the same? If you took 10 and you put them against each other, they would all feel exactly the same. So I was like, yo, there's a problem that needs to be solved here, which has led me to my mission that I'm on right now to help B2B SaaS salespeople just sell more by becoming impactful storytellers without compromising who they are.
1: You know, it's funny, as you were talking, I was reflecting on my own career in sales. And it's it's somewhat crazy that the first time I ever had storytelling training was last year, which was the 17th year I'd been selling. I mean, does, do you find that that's common? How often do people even get it as part of sales training?
0: I feel like there's two camps. There's the camp of Storytelling, just do the one called close. All right. Just do the one called close. And, you know, that's just focus on that. Just focus on numbers. You know, you've got that school of thought. And, you know, one's, I'm not trying to say one's right or wrong. It's all about context for you, what you believe in, and what works for your organization. But there's the other camp which say, yes, we believe in storytelling. We know our salespeople need to be better storytellers. But when you look under the hood, there's not much storytelling actually going on because there's a lack of understanding of what a story actually is in a sales context.
1: So what is a story in a sales context?
0: Okay. Yeah. Good question. I feel like I just
1: teed me up. We didn't play on this, you guys.
0: <laughs> just teed you up that way. Oh, if we take a look at a lot of mission statements on companies' website, websites, rather, they go, yeah, this, this is our brand story. And I look at it, I'm like, man, this is more of a mission statement. And then you look at companies' customer success stories, quote unquote, and then you look at it and you're like, this is a a case study. (laughs) Now, if you look at different types of narratives, it doesn't mean that every narrative is a story, right? There's a difference between a marketing message and a story. And for me, the way I like to think about a sales story in the context of where we are ultimately operating B2B sales, I think about something called an acorn. And people are like, what do you mean, acorn, man? And I say, well, look, Ralph Emerson once said that an acorn, one acorn has the ability to generate thousands of trees. And for me, one story has the ability to generate thousands of relationships through connection. So if I take the acronym of an acorn, how I look at it is this is what a sales story is. A of the acorn framework or checklist is it's got to be attention-grabbing. It's got to really grab your attention in the first few seconds. Here's what I mean by that. A little while ago, I was going to the gym every single day, Jen. And I was getting to the gym at the same time every morning. And I had no idea how I got there by the end of it because I was like, oh, here's the same route, every single day, 12 minutes on the dot. I'd get there and I just wouldn't even think. Then a week later, my wife goes, Brev, how about we go to you know, the gym and the spa down the road? It's a little bit further, but you can go to the gym and then we can hang out in the spa. I was like, you know what? That's cool. Let's do it. We get in the car, my phone goes, Google Maps is gone, and I'm at the steering wheel literally doing that because I'm a bad driver. And I'm like, where am I going? (laughs) Like, I have no idea where I'm going. Now, the journey was unpredictable. Because it was unpredictable, I had to pay attention. So that's the key. When something is unpredictable and attention-grabbing, it creates an effective pattern interruption. So that's A. Then there's C of the ACORN checklist. Now, C is it must contain a relevant and identifiable main character, relatable as well. Here's what I mean by that. If you, one of your, if your core ICP is a CRO, and for example, you have a story about how you helped somebody who's a VP of marketing, that main character within that customer success story isn't relatable to the person that you're actually talking to. So it'll create a disconnection. Even Even at a higher level than that, if I told you, Jen, oh, I helped Microsoft or I helped the VP of sales, Jen, at Microsoft when she was back in San Diego around 10 years ago. So that specificity and context and the introduction of the main character is super crucial because that's who your prospect should see themselves in as they're going through the journey, as you're taking them through that journey from pain to glory. Then there's O in the checklist, right? This is, for me, is where the story should organically unfold in a simple story arc. Context, conflict, turning point, transformation. We can look at the hero's journey. We can look at a ton of stuff, and that's great for movies. But in a high-pressure, high-stakes sales scenario, think of context, conflict, turning point, transformation. Your story should unfold within that sequence of events. But remember, there's no formula or frameworks in life. So you're more than welcome to break that framework. Then there's R, okay, inside of this specific process. And the idea here is that you should reveal a villain, right? Now, the villain is the million dollar problem that is agitating your ideal client. I'm not talking about symptoms, Right, So a little while ago, I went to the physio and I'm like, ah, her name's Louise. I'm like, ah, Louise, listen, I've got knee problems. I've got hip problems. I've got back problems. And she's like, okay. And she goes, well, so what do you want me to look at? I was like, well, just look at all of them. She goes, but that's not where the problem lies. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, the problem is you're flat footed, (laughs) which is creating all of these issues. I was like, oh man. So once you actually alleviate the pain from the villain, That's when you can cure a lot of the symptoms. And then N is pretty simple. It should nurture trust. For me, stories are just the most amazing tools to build an authentic connection with people Without feeling icky. So I'll stop talking now. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you say something. So hit me with it.
1: (laughs) I mean, first of all, how long did it take you to come up with Acorn? Because that is just a killer acronym. Like, I love (laughs) that. And the way you tell the story, like, I get it. I'm hooked already on you. You're such a great storyteller. Seriously, how long, like, how did you come up with Acorn? To
0: be honest, I don't. I can't think of the exact moment where I came up with it. But for me, one of the things that I think about and I teach a lot of the time is imagine if there's five people, Jen, right now, five storytelling consultants. Okay. And they all say, I help B2B SaaS sales teams increase average contract value, reduce the sales cycle by X and close more deals. Right. How can you differentiate those people if they all say they do the same thing? Well, two ways. Your unique method and your story. Nobody has my story, Jen. If I'm really owning it, nobody's got my story. And then my unique method is my different methodologies that I teach. So I'm always trying to figure out and find through my own experiences and research, okay, what are different unique methodologies I can teach, which other salespeople go, oh yeah, Acorn. Because it's so much more easy to remember than giving them four or five specific things to think about or remember.
1: That really, really resonates with me. I think you know, part of the reason I'm, I'm so excited about this month's theme is because I will completely own the fact that I sucked at storytelling. If you look at, and I've talked about this in the podcast before, but like my career in sales started at corporate executive board. Corporate executive board sold annual subscriptions to best practice research to, you know, C level executives. And so I grew up in this world where it was like there is a very rational reason to do something different right it's like here's all the research that supports the need to change and so it was really difficult for me when someone didn't respond to a rational case to change it was almost like you know my robot shut down because i'm like but it's better and it's the better way why would you not want to do that and what i think i personally failed to appreciate a lot is it's not to knock having a rational case for change or a rational reason for doing something but, you know, the old saying goes like we all make emotional and rational driven decisions. I think I really failed to appreciate that. So I see this a lot today with like highly technical sales mm. where it's like, oh, you know, but we're speaking to a you know head of engineering or a CFO like it's not the right place to be storytelling. And personally, I disagree with it, but I love your take on it. Like, how do you strike that right balance between telling stories that kind of pick at the emotional and rational side. Well, firstly,
0: I don't believe that you're a bad storyteller, but oh my we'll gosh. take, we're going to take that. I'll take it for <laughs> what it is. But I feel like Jen, I don't, I get the feeling that like my sister, right? So when we were kids, she'd be like, oh, Ram, I failed this exam and she'd get it. She'd get her results. And it was like 98. And I'm like, did you <laughs> you know, I didn't get hundred. And I feel like Jen, you're like, I'm a, I suck. But no. actually, he was secretly good
1: <laughs> I'll give you some references The bad Drop kind it. of references <laughs> But,
0: you know, I get that question a lot Is, you know, we deal with lawyers We deal yeah. with people who are They always say analytical decision makers Now, what's interesting is I have Dr. Zoe Chance on my podcast. I had her on my podcast, and this episode is being released tomorrow. So whenever you're listening to this, it's probably already released. Now, she says something interesting. Now, Dr. Zoe Chance, by the way, is a Yale professor, and she used to run the $200 million Barbie brand at Mittal. So she was a Mittal, not sure how you say it, but um, yeah, big brand. Now, she says our brain is split into two. She says we have the alligator side of our brain, which is the unconscious fast, intuitive. She calls it the first responder. And she says that 95% of our decisions are actually from this part of our brain, the gator. But then you've got the judge. This is conscious. This is slow. This is deliberate. This is more logical. It's like being in a courtroom. Imagine going to a grocery store and saying, should I have this banana because it's got these ingredients? It's, you know, It's organic. Or should I have this banana? Right? Like you couldn't sit, and have those decisions being made with every tiny thing. And she says, look, I conducted some research, she told me on the podcast, and I found this study. I said, tell me about this study, Zoe. She says, this study speaks about 1,100 parole decisions. I was like, okay, this is interesting. But more specifically, Israeli judges who are deciding if somebody should be released from prison or go back to jail. Now, here's what was interesting, Jen. She said that in this study, when judges were refreshed first thing in the morning or just after lunch, they would send prisoners back to society around two out of three times, two-thirds of the time. They were difficult decisions which required mental capacity. But when they were fatigued and hungry, for example, just before lunch, virtually everybody went back to prison. So the idea here is that judges, you would say, are logically-minded individuals, very analytical and big fingers, but they were hangry, Jen. Right, they were hangry wow. and resulting in decision fatigue. So, what did they revert to the gator part of their brain, which was more
1: intuitive and gut feeling? That is really fascinating and terrifying, but very fascinating and got me rethinking the time of day at which I schedule very important meetings. My goodness, it's <laughs> yeah. fascinating. Wow. Right? Fascinating, I love that stuff. I just love that stuff. This is like where I think sales gets so cool is when we study, we think beyond just like the customer interaction. That is so cool. I can't wait to listen to that episode. You got me shook. So I want to go back to something you said earlier. Um, You were talking about sort of the different ways that we typically see people telling stories in sales. So I think one of the ones, I'm a big fan of a gentleman by the name of Bilal Batrawi. And he said something, yeah great dude, right? Wonderful. I don't know wonderful brain.
0: But I've seen him on LinkedIn. You, I think you go every five posts and you hear his name. Yes.
1: Yes. He's that good. And he's always got like a different way of looking in the world, which I really appreciate. And one of the things he said to me last year is he said, you know, when you think about storytelling, so often we make our own company, the hero of the story. And you hinted at that, right. When you look at like a case study story or something like that. And I, I it really stuck with me because I realized that when I was doing storytelling earlier in my career, I was falling into that trap completely unknowingly, right? Like I was trying to impress the client by talking about how great we were. And one of the things he got me thinking differently about is like, it's not really about how great you are. It's about how you make them the hero and how you make them shine. And I heard you sort of hint at that too. But in your mind, like when you think about in particular sales, what are some of the most under leveraged, times, like points in the sales pursuit where sellers could probably be doing storytelling and we aren't sort of classically thinking about doing it?
0: Yeah, great question. And it it boils back to this common misconception that it's not even a misconception. I would say it's this idea that storytelling is customer success stories only right? It's like, yeah, your brand story and customer success stories, but it's actually deeper than that. And I'll take it back to when I first started in corporate sales at Citibank. And I remember, Jen, I was first tasked with building out our mid-cap desk. So I was basically cold calling these different companies who needed help specifically for managing their foreign exchange. I was calling like CFOs, treasurers, basically people who had a lot more gray hair than me. So we were old school, like we had this like massive folder, Right. Tons of papers everywhere, notes. And my my mentor at the time goes, Rav, you're ready. You're ready to hit the funds. I was like, (laughs) right. Like, oh, my God. So I was like, oh, my God, what have I got to offer these individuals who are like treasurers and CFOs of these companies which have millions and billions of dollars of revenue? What have I got to offer? One morning I walked past his desk before he got in and he had a sticky note on his desk. And I was like, what's that? So I walk on over and I look very closely. It says, tell them something that they didn't know about. No, so, sorry. Tell them something they didn't know rather until they have interacted with you. So tell them something they didn't know before they interacted with you. And I was like, dude, what does that mean? <laughs> He's like, dude, just tell them something new. And that's how you're going to build trust and be unique and add value. I was like, huh. So one of the things that we were taught very early on, which is what I now call the trusted advisor story. So say if you're an SDR who's trying to book a meeting with a prospect. Now, the idea here is if you're struggling with imposter syndrome, you're like, how am I going to add value to this C-suite executive? The quicker you reveal a new piece of information that they didn't know, the faster you can build trust. And here's a few steps of how to do that. So a trusted advisor story really takes shape for me in three forms. The first thing is, Talk about the trends that you're seeing in the industry and the market over the previous 12 months. Because if you are a real consultant and you're looking to have a consultative conversation, you're having conversations like this with tons of people. So you're going to be able to find patterns. So talk about three specific trends that are going to be relevant to them. Point one. Point two is reveal the villain. Talk about the one big villain that is, I suppose, agitating people just like them inside of their industry. And then number three, this is crucial. Give your opinion and give your projection of what's going to occur over the next 12 months. Think about the biggest movements that have started in the world right they're from people who believe in something most people don't know what they believe in Jay. so when you find somebody who believes in something you're like yo i yeah let's go right even if you're wrong you have this conviction and you have this belief based on fundamentals and that really allows you that specific story can allow you to be seen as a trusted advisor as an SDR during a you know an AE at the beginning before you Dump the features on them. So that, that's one specific story. And I got one more for you, but if yeah. you want I'm gonna break here because I know you probably got a few questions and whatnot. Uh that's not my daughter, Rev. That's my wife. He said as I asked him a question about a picture I could see in his background during a zoom call. And I remember thinking, man. I'm speaking to the COO of Insightly here about supporting his team with their storytelling, and I've definitely blown the deal, period. But, strangely, he laughed. I definitely squirmed a bit, and before I knew it, I was actually delivering a virtual workshop to his revenue team a few weeks later. Now, here's the thing, people. If you know me, you'll know that I love partnering with people and companies who really believe in the power of relationships, And that's exactly why I've teamed up with Insightly, who are the sponsors of today's episode. Now, every single sales team that I train knows this. If you want to build a real connection, I'm talking about a real authentic connection with your customers and create a unique buying experience, then you need a CRM which aligns your entire revenue org around one common purpose. And hey, if you feel the same, if you feel me, then maybe Insightly is a CRM solution for you. So if you're not in your head right now, then head over to com forward slash influential to get your free 14 day trial today. All right, let's get back to the show.
1: I mean, I think what you mentioned it, but I think oftentimes with SDRs, I worry about, do we arm them? Do we teach them that not only is this okay, but this is what actually helps you cut through the noise. I mean, you can go online and hear all the tactics in the world about like, what's your cold call opener. But I think it's really what I'm taking away from what you're saying. And even just the experience of listening to you, this is why these ones are so fun because I'm listening to you tell these stories. It's not as much even what you say, but how you say it. It is impossible not to lean into you because. You can literally hear and feel the passion in your voice. And I think about cold call scripts and what we typically arm SDRs to go out and say. And you mentioned the beginning, right? A lot of times it's flat. It's flat stuff. So how you actually arm your SDRs from the very beginning of their sales career to know and learn and feel comfortable doing these things. I'm just, I'm really taking that away as being such an important point.
0: Ah, Jen, you got me... You got me now because there's, oh, you're going to get me going for like, how long have we got? (laughs) get going.
1: I thought you were already going. (laughs) I've
0: I've got this thing, right? Because people say, I don't like scripts. They make me feel rigid. Now I've grown up on scripts. So in theater, I would have to learn these like 60 page scripts, right? So I'm of the belief that the best movies in the world, the best TV shows, the songs that you hear on stages, they are scripted man. So it's about you owning the script. That's the first thing. And the second thing was was about arming SDR specifically. Now, here's one interesting and subtle thing that I see, which if you can shift it, listening to this right now, whoever you are, if you can shift this in your team, or if you're an SDR listening to this right now, it can really help you in terms of conversion. Now, when people think of a customer success story, sales leaders on SDRs with, we once helped this client, With this specific problem experience an aha moment which created this end result and now they're partnered with us and we're happily married but think about it if you're an sdr you have a you're outbound right you had a conversation with somebody for 90 seconds you're then going to transport them to what it's like to get married to you and be with you for two years it's like whoa slow down so think about the transformation of your customer success story not being and now they're partnered with us and they've been able to save this amount of time, money, and energy. Think about transporting the prospect to a place of what it would feel like after they have a demo with your AE. So the idea is, is this person experience this transformation after the demo? Because if you are rehearsing, am I gonna have enough time for this? Yes, yeah.
1: Right? You're rehearsing <laughs> that in your mind,
0: right? Am I, am I just gonna give this person my time? You don't want to take somebody to asking to marry you on a first date, right? You want to ask for the second date.
1: Oh, my gosh. I am like, I'm reeling from this, right? Because it is so true. And, and that's probably why there's so much fear in an SDR is because you are asking for the world, right? I love, mm. love the analogy you're using around like asking to get married before you've had a first date. And it's also it must be awkward for a customer, right? I don't know that I want to marry you. I didn't even know your name until five seconds ago. I love that mindset shift of thinking about what is the near term thing that you really want, right? The marriage comes after probably many of those calls, one if you're lucky, but you still need to have that first step. I think that is such an awesome way to think about earning the right to someone's calendar.
0: Yeah, I bet my wife downstairs going, was he was he in a podcast talking about dating? He's married. <laughs> Like, uh, but she's always like, you, you, my wife is hilarious. She's like, I know your story inside out. Let me recite it. She's like, your story is so boring, Ram. I don't know why anyone likes it. I'm like, you're in it. So what are you saying about you? But yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's funny though, because I've made a ton of mistakes with storytelling and I'm not going to sit here and say I'm so righteous and this is the perfect way to do it. My perspective on things is find a framework Own the framework, really learn it. Something that you, whether it's a methodology or framework, something you believe in, then give your reps freedom within the framework. And then when your reps become great, tell them to break that framework and create their own. That's the beauty. But, you know, made a ton of mistakes, but um, also had some good successes and been able to learn from both.
1: So on that note, one of the things that I've personally found, because even though you don't believe me, I was not good at storytelling, but I actually found- (laughs) Well, This is the one time we'll we'll agree to disagree. I think that podcasting, actually, whether it's this one or going on another podcast, it sort of forces your hand in being a better storyteller, right? Because I think we've all listened to things where you're like, oh, maybe what they're saying is good, but it's so uninteresting. And the way they're saying isn't capturing it. What other, like if let's say you're, you know, we've got an AE or an SDR or even a sales leader who's listening and saying, I recognize the gap. I want to get better. What are some things that you would advise people to do just to strengthen their storytelling skills?
0: Good question. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you one exercise and I'm talking to you, listener. I'm going to give you one exercise and then I'm going to give you a three-step framework for structuring stories. Now we could also talk about different types of stories and A. E. could share. Maybe that's like another podcast or that's the next question. But (laughs) yeah, the first thing is, is a lot of people assume that storytelling begins with speaking, delivery, intonation, but they forget about being an active listener. Now, Ty Bennett talks about something called the power of two. And what he says is a lot of salespeople do this. They hear a trigger about a pain. A client says, you know what? I'll admit it, and I'm struggling with our marketing. And I know if we don't solve this in the next 12 months, we're not going to hit X, Y, Z. And a salesperson gets excited. They're salivating, and they go, "Well, there's one time at Bandcamp we helped, right?" <laughs> they go, they go straight into the customer success story. So what he says is, ask two high-impact questions along the same line of topic that you're discussing, anywhere between two to five questions. The more the better, and then launch into your customer success story. But that all starts with being an active listener. So here's what I'd like you to do, team. On your next Zoom call, because I'm assuming you're virtual, have everybody in the room, pick somebody, give them 60 seconds on the mic and get them to share, you know, just speak off the cuff and share a story or whatever it might be about something they're passionate about. It could be dodgeball. It could be a movie they watched last week. It could be running, whatever. Now, the rest of the team have to focus on actively listening because what they're going to have to do straight after that is take the stage and recap and summarize what they've heard. So the question is, do they use the same language as the person? Do they actually listen? Did they listen to the pains? Were they listening for the intonation where they may have felt a little bit nervous talking about something specific or whatnot? So the sales rep has to recap, diagnose, and provide a story around it. You'll get a very, very good inkling for who's a good listener or not.
1: <laughs> mm, that is I'm envisioning doing this with our team <laughs> yeah it's fun it's, it's fun It's very fun, and you're right, right like if we you can focus on being a great storyteller but absent of making it personal for them, absent of hearing their perspective and weaving that into your story. It's, that's another rut I fell into a lot is just focusing on the story I was telling instead of thinking about the person on the other end of the line. Yeah.
0: And Jen, look, something that I learned and I didn't learn this from the get-go is that your story and the way you communicate isn't designed to give you significance. It's designed to give your ideal client significance. A guy called Yaya Bakar taught me that. And once I really embodied that, It allowed me to have more vulnerability and it allowed me to actually realize, like, how is this moment impacting my ideal client? And this kind of leads me to my second tip. And I'm going to give you the three point structure, but I want to give you a second tip here, ladies and gents. And it's the idea if you're worried about what story should I share, here's the acid test ask yourself these two questions one, what is the million dollar problem of my client? And two, what is the source of their pain? If it connects with their source of their pain, you have a story that will connect. Let me give you an example. Let's say if Jen and I both have problems of being busy CEOs that aren't visible online. As a result, nobody knows who we are and it's impacting our inbound leads. Now, let's say for me, I'm not putting myself out there because of imposter syndrome. And let's say for Jen, it's time. So can you imagine if I shared a story, oh, this one time I was struggling with leads and you know, then I wasn't putting myself out there now I am and look at the results versus I share a story about when I once struggled with imposter syndrome And now the transformation I've had and the learnings I took away, that's going to impact them on a level which is beneath the surface. And that's where you got to go. And it's not always going to be that clean cut because in the B2B world, sometimes it's hard to get beneath the surface and know what somebody truly feels and desires, but that's something to think about. So I'll break for that tip. I don't know if you've got any questions.
1: No, we use this graphic a lot with the iceberg, right? And it's like, we yeah. think about why people behave in certain ways. It's because of beliefs and assumptions, yeah. right? That underlie those behaviors. Mm. And I think one of the big lessons for me and, and the way you're speaking about it in storytelling has got my wheels turning. So if I'm quieter than normal, it's because you are literally shaking up my brain in such a positive way. I think what's really fascinating is the example you gave. I think there's like a curse of competence, right? When we, we talk to enough customers, we think we know what the answer is going to be. And so then we start assuming that that prospect has the same problem. But you're right. Imposter syndrome and time, two very different underlying surface like problems that, that, are, that are affecting that. It, it's
0: fascinating, thinking? Jen, because like it, I've done this. I'm sure you've done this. We all do it. We have enough conversations where we go, I know what my clients are struggling with. I know everything about my market. But the idea here is, and salespeople, you could do this to really get a better understanding of your clients is ask an open-ended question that requires a story as a response. So I'll give an example. You could say, how many years have you struggled with this problem? It's like two years, one year. You're not going to get much from that. Very low likelihood you're going to get a story. Versus if I say, Jen, Man, that's interesting. Tell me a little bit about the time when you actually first realized that this was a huge problem for you. So what you're going to give me there is a story, is a response. And I'm going to get to know you deeper and really get a better understanding of really you and your problem.
1: So, okay. I'm like watching time. We need to have you back on because there's so, (laughs) so, I feel like I've like barely even scratched the surface with you. You've shared so many things. I want to make an observation about you and something that- I've picked up that you've been doing across the course of the conversation, whether it's intentionally or not. I think one of the, the reasons you are so effective at really bringing someone in, actually, there's many reasons, but one is when you are explaining a concept which may be like more difficult or, or you know, not familiar to people, which you know, makes our brain work differently, you do it in a way that is very, very organized. So I've noticed as you explain concepts, whether it was acorn or, you know, the different examples you've given, you break it down and you make it very easy to follow. Where are you in that story? That's one thing I'm picking up from you. The second thing I'm picking up from you is when you do introduce a concept, every single time you've told a story and the story has actually helped me better understand the concept. If you had just told me the concept alone, I I would have got it, I'm assuming, but it wouldn't have stuck with me. Like I'm now reflecting on Jesse's comments and some of the other comments that I saw on your page, and it makes so much sense. You are so memorable because of the way that you explain things. And I think for me, even as someone who continues to want to build their storytelling skills, those are two things right off the bat I I know for a fact I can be better at. And I think in particular, the second one around telling a story right after a concept just brings it to life and makes it that much more memorable. So not to feel like you've, I've been like watching you as you're doing what you do, but I'm always so fascinated picking the brains of people. And those are two very, mi- like, I don't know, maybe minor things, but I think they have a, they carry big weight. Well,
0: you know what, Jen, I received that compliment because I, I have to get better at receiving compliments, right? It's one <laughs> thing I'm not good at. So I'm like, you know what? Thank you, Jen. I received that. I appreciate mm. the kind words. And thank you for being so intentional with your, oh my gosh. With your podcast, because- don't, it doesn't always happen, but I tell you what, do we have time for those three steps or do yes. it, are we go? Oh my goodness.
1: Good? Yes, yes, yes. Right. Tell so, me.
0: Because I was like, I don't want to leave the audience hanging, man. No, no don't leave us hanging. No. We're going to do it. There's so many different ways you can share stories, in my opinion, but I just feel like, When it's simple, it's just clean because you can even do it in high stakes scenarios. For example, when you're asked questions by difficult prospects or on stage presenting your solution, it's always good to go back to something simple. Now, you may have heard this when you were in school, Jen. This isn't groundbreaking what I'm going to share. You know, some people, a guy called Victor Antonio, great in the um, keynote sales space, he talks about it as the spa framework. I like to think of it as the PSA method or the PSA framework. And what I mean by that is point, story, audience impact. Here's what I mean by that. Point stands for, you could share a shocking statistic, you know, two thirds of Israeli judges, right? When they were refreshed and had mental capacity, were sending prisoners back to society. That's a point. That's me getting straight to the punchline, right? You know, you go to all these different talks and they say, look to your left. Look to your right, and one of you will be losing your job in the next 90 days. You're like,
1: oh, me?
0: <laughs> right? Even though I sound like Scooby-Doo, but yeah, like <laughs> me? So think about is a point as a shocking statistic, an image, getting straight to the punchline. A point. The next thing is a story. Context, conflict, turning point, transformation. So we just me you, people. Jen and I just miyagi you. We were teaching you something you didn't even know. <laughs> Until you got to this point, right? So, context, conflict, turning point, and transformation. And then A is audience impact. So, let me give you an example. Okay, so if I said to you, Jen, that the insubinsky spider went up the water spout, context, down came the rain, and washed the spider out. Conflict, out came the sun, and dried up all the rain. Turning point. The insubinsky spider, well he went up the spout again. Transformation. Now, that story alone doesn't have a point at the beginning, and it doesn't have an audience impact. But what if I told you that the moral of this story was resilience? And I'm on stage talking to a thousand SDRs who have just missed quota for the third month in a row. And I'm trying to teach him how like, you need to be like in and you need to get back on your pipeline as if it were this, the pipe or whatever I meant here. We're back up the water spout. That's it. And you need to go climb. You need to get back on it. You need to be resilient, right? So always think about the moral of your story and the impact that it has for the person listening. Otherwise, they're going to be like, why did he just share a story about a spider? <laughs> now, also at a point at the beginning, but that gives you an idea of how simple it could be.
1: I love it. I love it. You have got me reeling. This is so fun. So I've decided you're definitely coming back. We're going to keep picking your brain. I have one more question for you. Hit me. Hit this me. This the question we ask everybody. Oh. Try to catch you off guard. If you could take anyone in sales out to lunch, and sales is how you define it. I think we had someone say Socrates on here. It's totally okay. your fault. Who would it be and why? Kevin Hart. Okay, so, right, this is so bad, Jen I was
0: on a podcast the other week And this the host said, okay, you have a choice You're going to get put on a desert island And you can only take two people Either Kevin Hart or your wife And before she even said, who would you pick? I was like, Kim Hart And she's like, that's so mean I was like, well, it's so true Like, (laughs) I'll tell you why, okay He is just such an impactful communicator, storyteller And as you said at the beginning whether we like it or not, everybody's a salesperson, everybody's a speaker, and everybody is a storyteller, man. And he is somebody who I study very specifically and analyze, deconstruct, and focus on the why behind the way they do things. And for me, he's just a genius, man. I love it.
1: Ah, oh, that's such a good answer. I love it. We've yet to have a repeat answer. This is so great. That's why I like this question. It's good. It's too good. And actually, our old Who yours sales... be? Oh
0: Who's my yours, gosh. Jen?
1: So I picked someone who had a lot of influence over what I'm doing right now, which is Josh Braun. I've heard of him. I haven't had much exposure uh, to him, but I've heard many great things about him. He's amazing. We had him on a couple of months ago. He okay. is such a giver. I think he's also a phenomenal storyteller. Like he does a lot of posts about sales, but he always starts with a story. Um, right. So I'm super drawn to the way that he communicates. And it, I had a conversation with him. Gosh. Over a year ago now, and he actually relates to this topic. He was saying, you know, Jen, I noticed when you post on LinkedIn, you post a lot of like bar charts and graphs, and it's always really insightful stuff, no question. But he's like, I have no idea who the hell you are and what you think about that stuff. And you have no authenticity, you have no like personality in your post. And I'm sitting here talking to you and saying, like, you got a lot of personality when I talk to you, but you're so static when you post. And so he encouraged me to actually, I mean, I still post that kind of stuff from time to time, but he's like, people want to know you. They want to know your perspective. They want to see the vulnerable side of you. And it completely changed the way that I showed up, not just on LinkedIn, but like in my customer conversations, it completely encouraged me to do things like this. And it really transformed my career. And I give him credit all the time because it was just, it was a 30 minute conversation that I think truly changed how I showed up.
0: Well, credit to you, my friend, because the ability to receive that feedback without ego and actually action it is underrated. So, hey, that's incredible that you're able to do that.
1: Yeah. Look, I've always been someone who is like, what do I, what do I, did you rather? What do I do? <laughs> So it's not, that yeah. usually is not an issue for me.
0: Oh, okay, okay, hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, i tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here, okay? Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review if you got some value from today's episode, okay? So if you want to impact people, remember, you need to learn how to influence them first.